Hi everyone and welcome to our uh, fourth episode, well it's actually 4B, um, on the topic of emotional intelligence. So because this is such a big topic, we decided to split it into two episodes. So this is 4B, where we're going to delve into a little bit more detail about emotional intelligence. So just a reminder, it's Nari and Liz, Ladies in Leadership. We are all things confidence building, mindset motivation, um, developing resilience, creating your signature standout label, uh, and basically being a leader in every capacity of your life. So emotion, back to emotional intelligence. Obviously, I'm here with my uh, co-host, Liz. Uh, just want to say hello. Hello, everybody. <laughs> yeah, so back to the topic of emotional intelligence. So emotional intelligence, as we know, is all about self-awareness, a process of understanding yourself, understanding other people, um, and using emotions in a positive way in order to communicate effectively. So today's episode, we're going to talk about what gets in the way of that emotional intelligence. So as we know, in our last episode, uh, what is emotional intelligence, episode 4A, we really delved into uh, the meaning behind it and the different facets. I know we touched on the different pillars. So if you want to find out a little bit more, I encourage you to go back to episode 4A before watching this one. Um, and today we're going to talk about, um, so firstly, what gets in the way, like I said, so Liz is going to cover a little bit about that. Um, she's going to talk about stress response and other different things that, that get in the way of us actually having and maintaining that emotional um, intelligence. We're then going to look at, which is very useful, how do we boost our emotional intelligence? And I'm sure a lot of people are interested in that. Um, and then finish off with the male and female differences of emotional intelligence and how we can leverage that for our benefit. So uh, without further ado, Liz, if I can, uh, if we can start with, uh, with, with the bit on what prevents us or stops us from having emotional intelligence. Well, thanks, Nori, and uh, and I guess good morning and where I am and good afternoon from where Nori is, as where I'm in North America and she's in the UK. Um, so yeah, things that get in the way of emotional intelligence. So as we mentioned at our first session in session 4A, um, the thing about emotional intelligence that is different from IQ is that it changes and it can develop over time. So the beauty of that is once we know and understand where we're coming from and we understand things that can get in the way, then that enables us then to put those pieces together and help ourselves to boost that emotional intelligence we're gonna to get to in just a moment. So one of the first things that really does get in the way is something that the EQI 2.0 or the emotional intelligence quotient says is one of the critical pieces. And that is, it's called impulse control. And impulse control is this whole context of being able to actually catch oneself uh, rather than blurting something out, or as we say, leaking the truth in various places where it could be uh, problematic for us. You know, case in point, actually, impulse control was, uh, there was a study done a number of years back in the actual, in the 70s, looking at children and their impulse control and what could be done about it, should they not have a lot of it. So they put little children in, in rooms with cameras and a big bowl of marshmallows, and they walked away and they allowed the children to sit there for 10 minutes before they came back. And they were told they weren't allowed to eat the marshmallow until the adult came back. And the, it was fascinating to watch because the kids agonized. And those without that impulse, as much, much impulse control, just dove right in and grabbed the marshmallow. 
versus some of the other children that stepped back and they were told, you know, their values were to follow what they were being told. So they stepped back away from their desire for the marshmallow and waited for the adult. So that said, if we're one of those people that jumps in and grabs the marshmallow too quickly or blurts something out in the middle of a meeting that doesn't help our, our case, uh, then that can be an issue in, in any context, really, in a community context, working in a community um, team, you know, working with children, all of those things, that can be an issue. The second one that I think is, is really important is, of course, stress resistance. And that's something we talk a lot about. Um, but our ability to step back and, it's, you know, resilience is a component of that as well. That ability to step back and laugh at our, at, our, at our downfalls sometimes, the ability to step back and breathe and ground ourselves and know that bottom line that we are number one. And so when we're dealing with highly stressful environments, um, it's much easier for us to then withstand those environments. And that's, you know, very important in executive roles. Um, the third one is, uh, is self-awareness. And of course, you know, if we're not aware of how we show up in the world, then we are going to show pieces of ourselves we have no idea we're showing. Um, and that obviously comes into play when we're, when we're working with staff, when we're working with colleagues, and with our superiors and our organizations, as well as in our communities and our families. So we all have what's called a blind spot. And if that blind spot is very large, then a large part of what we do, we won't actually really understand the implications of it. Um, and so that's an, a place where we really can get stuck in moving forward. Uh, reality testing is the fourth one. And what that means is our ability to be in real life. Um, so there are individuals, for example, that uh, are very Pollyanna about life in general, you know, that statement, rose-colored glasses. Well, um, that is useful to a point, but some individuals really do look at everything that way. And there are times when that can get in their way, in particular, uh, you know, in, in, in workplace environments. And then finally, lack of self-actualization. So, you know, self-actualization, as we mentioned in the last session, is, this, is, is really related to the Maslow hierarchy of needs, and it's the very top of that hierarchy of needs. And what we're saying here is that if we're doing something that we don't feel uh, is, is challenging us, us enough, we're not developing enough, we're truly not learning all the time, then we probably, there's a block between us and true self-actualization for our lives. And so what we want to ensure is that, um, is that we know what, who we are, what our values are, what our identity is, and how to line that up with our own self-actualization. Because if we don't, then that's a way that we can get stuck. And that's a methodology that coaches like Nori and myself use. Uh, you know, we, we have great tools to help people with that feeling of being stuck. Uh, and those, those essentially those uh, five components are really places where our emotional intelligence can stop our movement, whether that's a lateral opportunity, whether that's promotion, uh, whether that's being the coach of children in a community, um, all of those things, or it gets in the way of our relationships also, not just with others, but also with ourselves. So that sort of in, intrapersonal component is also really important. So we have no awareness of any of that, then we're going to show up in ways we have no idea. And so that really does get in the way of our, uh, our developing and growing and looking at new opportunities. So I would say those are, are my, my thoughts, Nari, on, uh, on some of the components of emotional intelligence that get in the way. And we do often see those things uh, on a regular basis. I know when, uh, when I was working in classrooms, 
teaching uh, executive leadership, you know, those sorts of things showed up on a pretty regular basis. And in particular, the, re the lack of reality testing and the impulse control were two that really showed up a lot in those individuals that were being known as individuals who needed help in their workplaces. So um, that's, uh, that's my, my piece on things that get in the way. So uh, Nori, um, we're, we, you mentioned when we started that you were wanting to talk a little bit about ways to boost our emotional intelligence. So can I pass it over to you to talk a little bit about your perspectives on that? Yes, absolutely. And this is a very important element, I believe, about emotional intelligence and learning how we can boost it. Because we probably ha all have a certain level of, of that through our own um, upbringing, our own socialization. Um, and then we, we're obviously adults with varying levels of it, which come out in our actions, essentially. So from my perspective, IQ without EI is incomplete. So without your emotional intelligence, your IQ is short-lived um, and it's not sustainable over a long period of time, i.e. eventually you'll hit a wall of some sort. Um, and it affects both personal and professional life. Um, I think it's a, it's a proven fact that people with high emotional intelligence uh, generally have a more success both um, in life and work, more, more productive, um, a better output, longer lasting sustainable relationships with a higher degree of emotional intelligence. So I'm just going to go through a few ways um, of where, which way we can boost it. I'll just mention a quote though before I start, one that I've always liked actually, it's by um, Nelson Mandela. Mm -hmm. So uh, he says, um, uh, a good head and a good heart are a formidable combination. And I believe that that is exactly what he's talking about. He's talking about mm -hmm. and EI combined together. That's the optimum sort of, um, you know, output or result that you can have if you encompassing both of those different facets um, intellectually. Um, so looking at how to boost it, uh, people, in order, it, it, firstly, having a uh, or utilizing assertiveness in our communication style. So not too aggressive, not too passive. Emotionally intelligent people usually communicate um, ideas, opinions and needs directly while still respecting others. This is what we call assertion in our response. Um, all, next um, is responding rather than reacting. So generally, uh, we're gonna there's gonna be situations where there's conflicts and emotional out, outbursts are common. Emotionally intelligent people know how to stay calm during stressful situations. They don't make impulsive decisions that lead to bigger problems. Um, so they, they are able to um, act confidently and calmly in a stressful situation because their goal ultimately is resolution. So they make a conscious choice to focus on ensuring that their actions um, are in alignment with resolution rather than exaggerating the conflict and creating a bigger problem. Um, next is utilizing active listening. So listening for clarity. When you're having a two-way conversation, 
understanding the other person's opinion, their perspective, instead of just waiting for your turn to speak, waiting uh, for yourself to say, hey, hey, wait a minute, I know better. Um, I, you know, I am better or, you know, whether ego kicks in there. So understanding what's being said by the, uh, the other person and then respond accordingly, um, including um, verbal and nonverbal details of that com conversation. So you're really having a response rather than a reaction, which is based on res uh, two-way respect. Mm -hmm. um, next is being motivated. So emotionally intelligent people are, are self-motivated and they are able to motivate others. So they set goals both for themselves and they are resilient in the face of challenges. Uh, and this really uh, rubs off on people that, that they're surrounded by. So it's really, really um, useful. Ne um, next uh, is to practice a positive attitude. So I would say never to underestimate the power of attitude. Uh, I mean, negativity, as we know, we've all been around it at some point in our lives, is absolutely contagious. But people who are emotionally intelligent, they know how to ha almost handle their mood they are, are aware of their mood and they're consciously trying to create this sense of optimism both for themselves and for others um and yeah i agree it's it's not positive it's sorry it's not possible to be 100 positive all the time or optimistic all the time that's that's false because we are human beings we go through ups and downs in life and we we are constantly processing emotions but when you're actively trying to stay positive you if something's stressful you, you might meditate you might go for a walk in, in nature. You, you, you're actively consciously doing things to preserve your mood. And that's how to maintain it. Um, the point you picked up on earlier that, that you mentioned earlier was about self-awareness. This is absolutely uh, paramount. So about being self-aware and intuitive. So I'm aware of my own emotions and how they affect others and, and those of others. So, um, basically having a two-way thing based on body language as so uh, verbal and non-verbal to enhance uh, communication so this is all about self-awareness both of yourself and how that affects others um next one is about taking constructive criticism so nobody likes to uh, be told that something that you did wasn't right or didn't sit well with me or you're wrong but if you're emotionally intelligent you're you're able to you don't get easily offended and you don't need to get defensive because you look at where is this criticism coming from is it coming from a healthy place um, and is it there to better me can i learn something from it um, as opposed to obviously if it's coming from a toxic place based on somebody else insecurities then you don't need to take it on and it's like water off a duck's back really but um if you can understand the root and use it constructively to improve your own performance and resolve issues then taking constructive criticism becomes really useful and beneficial another point that we, we we talked in a lot of detail about last week is empathy with others so this shows emotional strength not weakness and it's the ability to relate to others on a human level we are after all we are all human um having mutual respect and understanding uh, around uh, differences in people's opinions at uh, their situations and perspectives so being able to have empathy regardless of somebody's circumstances i mean 
if I, if, if I talk about it uh, from a personal perspective, and I'm sure maybe Liz, you've experienced this, I've seen people um, treat people differently based on their circumstances. So it's almost like uh, putting people on a hierarchy or on, on a ladder, like these are your circumstances. So you seem trendy and cool to me. So I'm going to act this way with you. And with you, um, you know, I'm judging you. So with you, I'm going to act in a different way. That is not consistency. And that is not credibility of a person's true character. And I've seen it so many times, such a common thing that we see. Um, but emotionally intelligent people are consistent regardless of people's situations and circumstances. And this is such a powerful thing. Um, the next one is utilizing leadership skills. So emotionally intelligent people have excellent leadership skills. They set high standards for themselves and for, uh, cr create great examples for other people to follow, good at deci decision making and problem solving. So they exhibit high performance output in both life and in work. Um, and lastly, uh, emotionally intelligent people uh, are sociable, they're approachable. So they exert positive energy uh, they have a positive presence again these things can be worked on so that then goes into a good interpersonal skills um, clear communication skills so all of these things all encompassing uh, help people by learning this to boost their own emotional intelligence and from what I've just said there it almost seems that maybe softer empathetic people are more naturally inclined to be emotionally intelligent but the truth of it is that non-empathetic people can also learn how to improve their emotional intelligence through conscious awareness. So both self-awareness awareness and um, through interaction of others. So put simply, how we identify and manage our emotions uh, and react to our emotions and that of others, that's what describes what emotional intelligence is. But emotional intelligence is understanding how these emotions shape our thoughts and shape our actions for greater control of our behavior and to develop the skills to manage that more effectively. So if we are emotionally conscious, we know ourselves better, that then we also communicate with other people better. And one thing I'll say on that is if we don't know ourselves, then that's not a good thing because that means we can fall foul to other people's opinions. We can fall under pressure um, we can be easily manipulated and we can be easily influenced. That's why boosting our emotional intelligence is absolutely paramount to preserving um, our own strength and our own resilience, uh, both internally and externally. Yeah. So that's my stance on improving uh, and boosting your emotional intelligence. Uh, I think, Liz, you're going to say a little piece on that as well. So mm -hmm. I'll pass it back over to you. Okay, well, that was great, Nori. And uh, rather than sort of say similar things, um, what I've chosen to do with this piece is to take uh, where Nori has gone and uh, and talk a little bit more about a process to actually uh, to boost. And so we take all of those pieces that she so aptly put together. And now we're going to talk, I'm going to talk a little bit about that process to do the boosting. So one of the first things that's really important, if you have identified some areas that you want to work on, the most important thing after you've identified those areas, and whether that's you want to work on your empathy, or you feel that you need to work more on, um, you know, reality testing, or whatever it might be, um, 
once you've done that, the most important thing is that you tell somebody that's in your support system that you're working on this so that they can give you some uh, respectful and loving feedback. Uh, that's always really important is to have that confidant, whoever it might be. And whether that's a family member, someone in your community, your coach, whomever, there are lots of individuals that can offer you that support. Um, the third step is to address obstacles. So it's coming down to deciding where is it that I need to work? And, you know, Nori has made it very clear and that it's really, really important that we are aware first. And then after we're aware, then we can choose where we want to work. And because we're not looking at IQ, we're looking at EQ, we can actually build that and change that over our lifetime, which we've both talked about. So for example, some examples might be, uh, you know, focusing on reality testing, empathy. Um, empathy is a very common one, by the way. Um, that's a place where oftentimes individuals in leadership roles uh, need to develop that skill in a, uh, in a, in a better way. Um, being able to step into the shoes of someone else truly in a workplace environment makes many, many managers. And that's a, the piece where uh, many of us choose to work. Um, then once you've looked at those obstacles and is it, you know, is it my ability to deal with stress? Is it my emotional strength? Is it my empathy? What are the places where we need to work? And for whatever it's worth, uh, after working with many, many, many executives in the Canadian public service over a period of, of close to a decade, I have to say that, um, that actually inside ourselves, the intrapersonal components are every bit as important as those extra personal components. So, you know, reality testing is external, but inside ourselves, we need to be able to focus on reality in a, in a grounded sort of way um, before we can actually step out to improve that. Um, there are a number of ways to help us change once we know what those things are. Um, and oftentimes, if it's a behavior that we want to change, most of the time, there's a misalignment with our values and or our identity that leads us to that lack of, of, of that particular emotional intelligence skill. So we want to be asking ourselves when we're looking at those areas to change, what is it that the behavior that I'm changing and where is the disconnect for me? Is it that the behavior is related to a value that I have in my life that I hold, or is it that it's an identity that I hold? You know, who am I if I am empathetic, for example? Um, so there are some of those pieces. There are many specialists in the area of emotional intelligence, number of many facilitators, and of course, coaches and role models. So if you want to work on a component of your emotional intelligence, finding a coach that can help you with that uh, is a really great idea. So is working with a mentor, a particular type of role model, or someone from your support system, like a parent, a friend, whoever that might be, or some of both. Um, then the final steps are, of course, to practice those new behaviors um, and review and reassess those behaviors on a regular basis. So it's not good enough to say, oh, mm, look at my score on empathy, mm, better fix that. Uh, and then to simply stop there, um, because actually we then have to open that that chasm of blind spot that we all carry in our emotional and and uh, general awareness around us um, in order to see how it is that we're behaving. And then finally, um, obviously, we want to set some SMART goals. So as everyone, I'm sure most people have heard of the SMART goals, they're specific, measurable, action-oriented, realistic, timely, energizing, signed and tested. So you want to be able to focus on 
say two to three of those components at a time and set some goals to work with that support system to get to that point. So, um, you know, that said, um, shaping our thoughts and our emotions, as Nori has said very aptly, is obviously critical to how we show up. And negativity is definitely, I agree with her, um, a large problem in our community and in our society right now. And the more positive we can be, um, and the more we can laugh, um, the better our emotional intelligence will actually get. When, when life is tough, you know, sometimes it's a question of just simply laughing it off. Um, and I, it's funny, I have an example of, you know, something, a meeting that had gone, you know, really badly. And I had left the meeting and I was heading back to my office. And there's always that moment when you're heading back to your staff and you know it's been not a good couple of hours, right? And it's that moment where you're reevaluating, okay, so how am I going to show up here as I step back into my, into my team and into my community? And how do I, you know, how do I explain what has just transpired? You know, there are two ways, right? One is, and the other one is, let's laugh and let's la laugh this off and prepare for what's coming. And I think that that's also uh, critically important when it comes to emotional intelligence. So, Nori, I'll pass it back to you. So you can talk about the uh, differences, the male and female differences in emotional intelligence, which is really cool because that leads to uh, a, a female approach to leadership, which is different. So uh, off over to you, my dear. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for that, Liz. A really well explained. And I think it'll help our viewers quite a lot in terms of the process of building that. And I absolutely love what you said at the end about just laughing and being happy through the experience. We all go through highs and lows in life. It's part of life, isn't it? And it's about what we take from the lows and how we attribute them to the highs. Yeah. And uh, there are so many uh, quotes in the past where they say, whatever you're going through, just don't forget to dance. And that's what that literally means. Don't forget to laugh. Don't forget to enjoy the journey um, because you'll never get today back again. So you might as well make it the best that you can, regardless of what your circumstances are. So thank you so much. It was very deep what you shared. Right. So now we're going to talk about the differences between men and women in, in emotional intelligence. So the assumption, the wide ranging assumption is that women are more emotionally intelligent than men as they express emotions better and more easily as we know but emotional intelligence is much bigger than that and, and actually uh, studies have shown that men and women have a reasonably equal level emotional of emotional intelligence surprisingly so we know that emotional intelligence is all-encompassing it's about developing maintaining relationships coping with challenges managing stress making decisions using emotional information in an effective way. So there's so many different facets that go into emotional intelligence. Uh, and that's why it's a little bit more equal. And we know that a higher level of, of emotional intelligence, uh, people with a higher level of emotional intelligence are more successful generally than people with a lower level of emotional intelligence, regardless of IQ. So gen generally, um, um, men or women are equal, but they possess different strengths and competencies in emotional intelligence. And that's where the difference is. They have varying degrees of the different competencies that overall make up the whole um, sphere of emotional intelligence. So there are gender specific competencies. So in women, with women, we have, yes, as we know, more empathy. 
maybe better interpersonal relationships, a better grasp of social responsibility. But men, on the other hand, have greater assertiveness. They have greater st stress tolerance and they have a higher self-regard, which is linked to confidence. Um, and research shows that uh, the role in leadership with regard to emotional intelligence actually plays, plays to the tune of the gender gap, which actually is in advantage for the men. So as we know, there's loads of feminist groups out there that are still striving for equality as, as they should in the workplace. Um, and, and, and as we're aware in people's personal lives as well. Now, the difference is that it's true that men and women are hard hardwired neurologically differently. We know that. It's like that book. I don't know if you've read it. Uh, men are from Mars. Women, sorry, men. Are, yeah, men are from Mars. Women are from Venus. It's a great book, and it really goes into the detail of how men and women react differently in different situations. No, actually, the same situation and the difference of how a man and woman would typically react based on their gender. But there's also an element of socialization since we're kids. It's learnt behavior. So there's a way that boys are taught uh, that how is acceptable for boys to, to act in society to, and how to behave in front of others. Um, and then there's a different message that goes to girls of how they should behave, what's appropriate for them as they're growing up. So there's both indirect and indirect messages coming into our socialization from family members, parents, teachers, the media which we're all grasping as we're growing up. So boys are taught, it's great to be competitive. You must be confident, assertion. Uh, they, they, they generally tend to be more decisive and even tend lending towards aggression. It's considered, it's okay. It's not such a bad thing. Two boys got into a fight at school. You know, obviously there's accountability for that, but it probably is frowned upon more if that was a girl. Girls are taught more so to have a nurturing aspect, to be more caring, to show their emotions. It's completely safe and normal for them to do that. And then therefore to develop this empathy. And they're taught that these things are more important than achieving a goal. Whereas the, 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 the traits that boys have are more about achieving that goal. For example, that competition in sports, maybe it's about winning. Um, so these messages are then reinforced into adulthood and they ultimately become beliefs which affect our behavior in our adult life. So in leadership, we look for being competitive, being confident, being assertive, being independent, being decisive. All of these characters are what we align to good leadership, right? We barely hear um, oh, this leader's good because they've got high degree of empathy, they're relationship orientated, they're collaborative, they're supportive. Maybe they are good things to have in a leadership role, but they're not promoted as the characteristics that I mentioned earlier that are the primary leadership characteristics. And the problem here is that these leadership qualities are actually more aligned to male characteristics uh, in terms of what men have been socialized to become as opposed to female characteristics. So when females find themselves um, in leadership roles, they're expected to de demonstrate almost male qualities at, um, at the same time, not be considered feminine or ladylike. So it's like a double standard uh, as what we see as uh, acceptable for women. Um, and, and these women can often be referred to as alpha females like the only woman in the boardroom or women who get to the top um, 
maybe they're not feminine or you know they're not attributing their ladylike characteristics so there, there's double standards in that message alone and in order to change this we may, must break this pattern we must normalize a femininity in leadership how do we change that i believe it, it's through awareness in terms of how we envisage a leader, we broaden the def definition of what makes a good leader. So, for example, if we ask the question, why can't a good leader be empathetic? If a person's empathetic, it doesn't take away their substance, their intelligence, their ability or capacity to um, maneuver a team or to achieve a goal. So you can have both. Um, and how can we leverage this for ladies in leadership? Like I said, awareness is key. Education about getting the message out there. Um, so with the with the qualities that women have, where we actually are more aligned to coaching, mentoring, influencing, teamwork, and adaptability, all of these things come into leadership. But sometimes it doesn't allow the women to get that final leadership position. They can often be in a supportive role. But if we break those barriers, I'm sure more women will end up in leadership ultimately. And I, and I feel women in leadership are more and more change, more and more important now more than ever with the ever evolving and changing nature of the typical life that we have, both home life and work life. Uh, so in a personal and professional capacity. So as we move away from the men being the breadwinners, women are equally financially contributing in our personal lives. There are more female leaders. And also, even in the professional life, as we break away, I'm seeing this in so many large organizations, we're breaking away uh, generally as, as we're evolving, as external circumstances are changing, even with what we've been through last year with the whole COVID um, you know, situation. As we move away from hierarchy, as we move away from autocratic nature of leadership, about the domineering sort of personality in leadership, about the control aspects, as we're moving away from and breaking those dynamics slowly, very um, organically, that's where the, the women are able to step up and enter into those leadership roles. So women come into the picture with authenticity and power with their femininity and with their female characteristics combined. So. I don't know what you think about this, Liz. What's your take on this? Nari, I couldn't agree more. Um, it's funny, I was just writing down authenticity and power along with with femininity. And I think that, you know, you've really, you really hit the nail on the head with that. And I completely agree that um, that those quote unquote female characteristics have not always been the characteristics that were promotionable. And I think, I know that may not be a word, but that is oftentimes what what happened to those of us who were my age going coming into those those environments where we were the only female in the boardroom. And I did find that I, I, it, was, it was a challenge in the early days to be truly authentic. Uh, and then as time went on, and the more I, I studied leadership courage, I began to realize that it's really all about that. It's all about stepping up and using whatever skills and capacities we need. Um, and we have that power and that personal power to do that. Um, and we also have the power to be collaborative and to share and to, uh, you know, and to care. And, um, you know, that does get a little bit belittled around us. But the bottom line is that, you know, that that's a human 
come, you know, context that needs to always be considered. Um, funny, I, I, funny that you said the word dance, because when you said that, I couldn't get this song by Leanne Walmack out of my head. Um, it was, it was, I don't know, 15, 20 years ago. So it's an old song, but it's called, I hope you dance. And it's by a woman named Leanne Walmack. And it's very, very uh, positive. So just, you know, touching base on this whole concept of can keeping our femininity and being positive in our lives and doing what's what's authentic to us. Um, there's a there's a there's a couple of, of stanzas here that I think are really cool. I hope you never lose that sense of wonder. You get your fill to eat, but always keep that hunger. May you never take one single breath for granted. God forbid love ever ever leave you empty-handed. I hope you still feel small when you stand beside the ocean. Whenever one door closes, I hope one more opens. Promise me that you'll give faith a fighting chance. And when you get the choice to sit it out or dance, I hope you dance. And then she finishes with, um, I hope you dance because tell me who wants to look back on their years and wonder where they have gone. And so that's, that's a challenge to all of our female uh, colleagues out there that regardless of what the promotionable uh, context is, being true to ourselves and using our own authenticity keeps us positive and, and allows us to continue to contribute. Beautiful, absolutely amazing. Thank you very much for sharing that. And I'm sure a lot of our uh, viewers will, will, will take something away from that because it, it applies to everybody, all women, all ages, all walks of life. Um, and there's something just, you know, very uplifting about that, um, the, the literature that you just uh, said there it was just beautiful. So, um, yeah, on that note, it's been a great uh, episode. I've really enjoyed talking about emotional intelligence, such a huge topic, like we said. Um, so where can people find you, Liz, if they, they want to connect? Yeah, so uh, you can find me at elizabethhawkster at gmail.com. And there's a website up now, which is elizabethhawkster.wixsite.com slash coaching. So you can find me in either of those places. And I look forward to continuing this conversation with you. Um, having so much fun doing this. So hopefully uh, our next episode will be every bit as good as this one. Absolutely. I'm sure it will be. And I'm looking forward to it too. If anybody wants to connect with me, they can find me at Sky High Empowerment Coach on Instagram. Uh, and then there's a link to Sky High Leadership, which is this platform. And you'll find all the details uh, for the podcast and obviously the YouTube channel. So thank you very much, everyone. And we look forward to seeing you next time.